0: Well, good afternoon. I'm Ian Cheeseman. This is Tameside Radio 103.6 FM. I uh, really appreciate your company today. Now, I tried to speak to interesting, uplifting people, and there's nobody I can think of who is better at fulfilling that criteria than the man I'm going to speak to today, who is Jason Manford, actor, singer, comedian. You're everything, Jason, aren't you?
1: <laughs> everything and <or> nothing
0: <laughs> well I think uh, I've been watching what you've been doing on social media I've seen you uh, on stage singing acting uh, being, being a comedian there is no talent you don't seem to have and you're such an <laughs> uplifting personality in these in these trying times I mean how hard is it for you to be the uplifting character that you are do you have to try at it
1: yeah I mean it's not every day and it's not every second of every day and uh you know, the thing I always try and say is that, you know, your problems are relative. So when anyone says, How are you doing, I say, Well, I'm doing all right, you know, I'm I'm doing better than some and not as well as others. So I think that's all you all you can do. And whereas I don't necessarily think this uh, uh pandemic is the great level that a lot of people are saying, I don't think it does affect everybody equally, um you know, we've got a garden at the park nearby. We've got a spacious enough house, even though there's a lot of us here, which I know a lot of people don't have. Um, at the same time, you know, your problems are relative to you, aren't you? So this thing, that you know, my life changed in such a dramatic way in the last four weeks. I could never have imagined it uh, uh, being like this. So, yeah, sometimes, some days, it can be hard to, to rally and, and, and get yourself up and out and doing things, you know. Well, not out, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I out of
0: bed. <laughs> well, where does it come from? I mean, what about, you? does it come from upbringing? Is it from your parents that you are what you are, this, this sort of multifaceted, optimistic character?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm in a situation where I, I've got a job which feels like I've won the lottery every day of the week. You know, I, I love my job it's paid well for, for for what it is you know it's messing around and <laughs> being silly and so i think in times like this when things are difficult you you need to step up and although posting on social media and spending a few hours a week doing a quiz or you know just talking to people or whatever it is is no hard skip um and it's it's just something that some people even if one person goes you know what that really scared me up today well then I
0: that's the job done. It's a great attitude to have. I mean, your dad's quite—I've met your dad. Um, I've spent time with him uh, on a, on a city. I know you're a Manchester City fan on a city European yeah. trip, and your brother Colin. And they're and they are—they're all like you in the sense that they're really upbeat people. So it is—it's in the genes somewhere, isn't it?
1: I guess so. You know, we we definitely have our—you um, know, like everyone, we have our moments where uh, you think the world ending and and nothing can cheer you up but you know I've always I've always tried to live by the the thing that I say on stage and I've said it in in videos and trying to get the message across to people which is you know just because you're struggling it doesn't mean you're failing And, and when I look back at my family and I look back at our history and what we got through when I was a kid uh, you know and, and obviously before that with my my parents as well what they got through to get to this level now to this stage now of our lives where actually things are okay and and I feel like uh we're in a very fortunate position it's it's certainly a lot easier to be optimistic in these times than it was uh you know 30 odd years ago
0: you I think your dad was was quite serious in the profession that he chose when he was younger wasn't he
1: yeah, Dad worked. Um, well, they both worked in NHS. My parents. My dad worked for um, in sterile supplies for many years. That um, was cleaning, you know, uh, stuff for operations. Uh, and then he, and then eventually moved and, and worked for the Crown Prosecution Service as well, and worked there as a shorthand um, uh, writer. You know, sort of taking notes in the in the courts and stuff. So yeah, it, it, he's he's always had um, sort of important, but. Not very well-paid job, if that makes sense.
0: Which we Which, value uh, well, far more we, these days, don't we? Yeah,
1: it's uh, we realise what key jobs are all of a sudden. Yeah,
0: so, I think it's right to say that, uh, like me, I grew up in a council house and outside toilet, coal bunker, and all that. I know you're a little bit younger than me, but I assume that's that's the sort of background. Yeah, you... it wasn't that bad. <laughs> we had a sort. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. But yeah, I have I've heard rumours of the outside toilet. I mean, it's <laughs> definitely a. Uh, we we sort of lived on one of these new um, housing estates that uh, sort of sprung up in the in the in the eighties, um, which uh, which actually looks alright now. I drove past it uh, a few weeks ago, showed the kids. Um, even though my daughter did lock the door, so it bit <laughs> here, isn't it? Uh, but uh, yeah, so it wasn't quite as bad as that. But then, um, you know, when I when I think back to where you know, we grew up in Salford, like you know, so God, there must have been twenty people in that three-bedroom house, four-bedroom house, whatever it was, you know, so it was, a, it was a mad old time.
0: Given that it's very difficult for me to pigeonhole you as as any one thing because you're so multi-talented, when you were younger, was there something you aspired to be?
1: I, I, I guess I always thought I'd end up um, entertaining in some way, not necessarily on a national scale, you know, I thought my, my grandparents and, and uncles and aunties were all in bands, singing and stuff, so I always sort of thought... I thought I'd probably end up joining the family band and 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 playing the pubs and clubs of the northwest, and you know I sort of thought that would be my my calling, Um you know, but unlike them, they were, they had normal jobs in the week, and then at weekend they were they were rock stars, you know. <laughs> so um, I guess that's sort of what I thought I'd probably do. I also thought about teaching was was something I always liked the the, the thought of, um, but uh, you know, thankfully this uh, this job sort of
0: took precedence and. Who were, yeah. co- who were your comedy heroes then?
1: Um, I guess I watched a lot of comedians that my dad watched growing up. So, Dave Allen and Les Dawson and Tommy Cooper and, uh, and then Billy Connolly. And then we got into sort of the American stuff and watched a lot of, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy and Richard Fryer and um, George Carlin and, uh, and people like that. Uh, so I was always into my, the stuff my dad watched. and he, You know, he loved The Young Ones and Alexis Dale and, and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, Joe Brand was was a favorite. So we liked a lot of those guys and girls. And then, and then myself, as I sort of matured and got into my own sort of stand-up, I used to watch, there used to be like the comedy show, the stand-up show was on after the Day on a Saturday night. You sort of watch, you know, some club comics getting up and doing stuff and saw so people like Tommy Tiernan and, and and people like that. And I worked at a comedy club at the time, and I got to see Peter Kay live, and I think that was the first time that I thought to myself, wow, well, this guy's almost exactly like me. You know, he's from the North, he's, he's got Irish uh, heritage, he's a working class, and he's, it sounds like he's had a similar school life to me. And, and, uh, and so I think it was Peter that I first saw that made the job feel tangible and, and real, that I, I could actually have a go at it.
0: Peter's a great example, I mean the first time I ever met him I was working at the BBC and he was unknown, he came in and just the way he was, the way he spoke, everything about him was just funny, he didn't need to have a script, it was just natural and that's how I've always viewed you as well and it's funny that you say the two of you are similar. Do you? You might not know Peter to not, to be able to answer this, but certainly from your your own point of view, you can. Is that something you have to work on, are, or are you just? Were you always just the the funny lad in in school?
1: Um, I, I always have a sense of humour, like a lot of people. Um, I guess it's the confidence to think that your your sense of humour is um, is going to make enough people laugh that it's worth it. You know. Um, Peter and I are are great friends, you know, even to this day. And, uh, and he is, you know, when you say, when you compare us, I always think he's just on another level. You know, he is, he's so funny. And there's certain people who, um, who just got funny bones. And Peter's one of them. And I think, uh, you know, and, and people like Lee Mack, he's another one who's just, just naturally funny. Like just got something about them. And they're always funny. You know, there's always something going on in the brain and, Coming out of my mouth, so that they're, they're great to be to be around. Um, I don't necessarily work on it. I don't think. I wouldn't say everything was successful. You know, certainly by the time you see it on tour, or uh, you know, on the, if you come into the arena or whatever, or watching the DVD, by that point, it's been worked on and honed and, and made funny and 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 it, hopefully is on a you know you're on a hundred uh, percent sort of success rate with your gags by then. But I go through a lot of times where I say something and it gets absolutely nothing uh, before we get there. So you only get the filtered stuff generally.
0: But it's that what I'm getting. I suppose you, you know you can work on the scripts and you can work on the jokes. You did a, a, a dad dad joke today on on social media about the the Swiss flag. Uh, if I oh, did yeah. the same gag, if if everybody else did the same gag, it wouldn't work like you do it because. You have a certain persona it, it, that it, that isn't invented. That is just you, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I guess so. And I'm always doing silly jokes, and you know, my wife sometimes laughs and sometimes she rolls her eyes, and uh, and the kids are the same. It's sort of it's it's being prepared to fail. I think that's what that's what makes comedians successful. It it's being prepared to just put something out there and. And know that somebody might just stare at you or tell you that it wasn't funny, or and that's the bit that separates comedians from you know regular people is that we go through absolutely years of horrendous moments to get to a point where we're, we're confident enough to to think, well, I think this will be funny, but on the flip side, even your most successful comics are only one gig away from having a nightmare. Uh, on stage you you never know if you pitch it wrong and and get it wrong and and that's the excitement of not just being a comedian but going to watch comedy as well because when you go and see a comedian it's not like a theatre show or a music show or a a film or anything in that moment what you are getting irrespective of how prepared the material is you're getting an event that is only happening in that moment and it didn't happen last night and it won't happen tomorrow And that's what I think just pushes stand-up comedy to the top of the tree when it comes to uh, live theatre. But then I would say that.
0: So that's your first love then, because you are now a singer, you are an actor. Um, I saw you recently, sadly it came to a premature close, though I know there was a live stream, as we speak now, uh, that was on last night of Curtains. Mm. That was a whole different side of, well, maybe it wasn't a whole different side of Jason Manford, because you are a singer (laughs) anyway, aren't you?
1: Well, it's it's the fifth show I've done now, fifth musical I've done um, with Sweeney Todd and T- T- Bang Bang Guys and Dolls producers, and then this one. So it's been a real treat actually to to have these shows that um, that have all been stellar shows, and to, and to be a part of it, and to be part of a team and a uh, and to have colleagues and workmates. You know, something I don't get in my proper job, for want of a better word. Um. And it's, so it's a real, yeah, it's a real street. And I did, um you know, like like a lot of people, I had that first moment where I was suddenly at home after the show was prematurely cancelled uh, with the with the lockdown, where I had a couple of days of, I don't know which way around people, other people had it, but the way around I had it was a couple of days of <laughs> almost euphoria because I've worked non-stop since, well, since about 1999. But, you know, <laughs> even in this show, I've worked nonstop since uh, August. We worked all the way through Christmas and New Year and it's been, it's been really tough. So I had a couple of days of absolute euphoria of like, oh my God, I'm off work, this is amazing. And then, you know, gradually as you sort of realise you don't know when the end of this is going to be, a real sadness of, of missing your, uh, the, the, the life that you, you had before.
0: And there'll be more from Jason Manford, my guest here on Tameside Radio, 103.6 FM, right after this. Well, if you've been with me throughout the afternoon so far, you'll know that I'm speaking to Jason Manford, comedian, actor, singer, you name it, but certainly still a very humble man. Um, So here's a little bit more of uh, the conversation that I recorded a couple of weeks ago. In a very small way, no comparison whatsoever to you, I've had to learn how to home different types of skills in my career from being a football commentator to being a presenter to, to being stood up on stage and, and, and doing sort of amateur versions of what you've done is that mm. challenge of actually having to vary because you also are a radio presenter of course um, is that challenge of keeping on top of so many different types of skills something that you relish or do you ever doubt yourself in, in when you move from one thing to the other
1: No, I don't think so. I think once you've you've done stand-up, which is, and most performers, no matter what discipline they do, will generally agree that stand-up is the most difficult, you know, in a, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm sure the tightrope walkers are not uh, (laughs) thinking about what a comedian gets up to, but when it comes to entertainment, you know, actors and singers and, you know, a lot of them will say, "Oh, I couldn't do that though, I couldn't do stand-up. And so not only when you do stand-up, but also get to a certain level of stand-up where, you know, you're, you're regularly doing arena tours or doing television shows or whatever it is, you get to a point where there's an expectation that you are good at it, There, then you never want to get on stage and feel unprepared or feel like you aren't the best that you could be in a certain job. So... There's there's been stuff over the years that's come along that I've looked at and gone. Do you know what? I don't think I would be great at that. There's somebody better out there that could do that. Whereas the shows that I've ended up doing, I've ended up you know, and it's quite a, it's not a very British thing to think, but I've often thought to myself, well, I think I was the best at that, so that's why I did it. You know, and and you know, it's always been nice. I've had nice responses of audiences, and it's not in a smug way or a sort of a egotistical way. It's just the self belief of going well i think i 'm good at this so and uh, and so i 'm going i 'm going to put the work in and, and make sure I can be the best i can be i 've never ever come away from a job such wood, but i 've never come away from a job and thought I could have done that better i 've always come away and thought that was the best I could do it whether that 's good enough is somebody else to decide but i 've never been disappointed in myself
0: so the trick the, the thing that you 're telling me is that when when you it doesn't have to be you necessarily, but when somebody in your position looks as if they're winging it, the not. It's actually all about absolute preparation before you do something.
1: Always in the preparation, hundred percent. Yeah, if you if you put the work in, you know the, the shows that we did on that doing that musical that were hard to do. You know the, maybe the, the the audience was were, were you know was maybe the audience weren't there. You know there it was a, a low turnout or. It was a Monday night in Leicester or whatever it is, you know, that made the audience feel a bit deflated. And they're the nights that you think, thank God I did all the work at the beginning to, to, to get to a point where I know that we'll, we'll, I'll nail the show as if it's a Saturday night in the West End.
0: Well, you, you obviously have that knack. Uh, how do you prepare, therefore, because you've done this very successfully, to working with kids? Because they are so unpredictable, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean they are unpredictable, but I always think because I've got children of my own, um, I've always sort of had a good rapport with with kids. I think, and 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 there's a way of n- knowing your audience and knowing what you can get away with them and, and judging what their sense of humour is early on, so that you can have a bit of a laugh with them. Kids love it when you you know you treat them uh, slightly more grown up than than they are, you know, talk to them and, and with a little wink and a little glint um, in your eye. And they, they, they know when when you're having a laugh, you know, I think generally. And so doing shows like What Would Your Kid Do? Um, and being on tour with uh, Chi Chi Bang Bang where I work with children, it was, um, was a delight really because you get to a point where you sort of roughly know how much of a laugh you can have you know and the great thing about a show like you know what would your kids do for example is you get to meet the parents as well and you, and you can tell i think if parents are a laugh generally kids are a laugh
0: Yeah, they want to do it so so they're obviously going to want to to enjoy it there's not no doubt about that i mean you've also um you know you've done grown-up things most recently you're on the masked singer which which captured a lot of imagination a lot of publicity. Uh, did you know how big that was going to be?
1: I didn't really know. Um, interestingly, when they first offered it, I said, no, thank you. That does not sound like my sort of show at all. And uh, in the end, I sort of chatted to the producer, um, who was a, an old friend of mine from when we did 8 Out 10 Cats Together, and and Kevin Ligo, who's head of ITV. And they said, look, we think this show's going to be Really fun, really silly. No one's taking it seriously. We're going to try and make sure that the level of guests is, uh, you know, you're not going to be pulling that mask off and think, who's that? You know, you're going to sort of know who 90% of them are. And um, and the quality of it. I mean, when we turned up and saw the set, it was unbelievable. And the, the costumes were quality. They, um, you know, they had these fantastic musicians and people who were, were putting the songs together. And it was just a really fun show to do. It was uh, it was right in the middle of rehearsals for curtain, so it was it was quite an exhausting process. I was rehearsing all day and then uh, heading over to the studio to film the Masked Singer. And they kept it so secretive where we'd have to turn up in balaclavas and an visor, and um, you know you would have uh, a, a hoodie on that said "Don't speak to me," and only like two or three people knew who you were. Uh, and we didn't even know who the contestants were. So it
0: was really? Because like, it, 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 the skeptic MI5. in me says that can't be right. Surely.
1: Literally, when you found out who the who the the, the people were under the mask, that's when I found out.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> it was, honestly, it was so it was like MI5 stuff. It was great.
0: What was it like singing inside there? Because. You know, it can't be easy having a well. I know it's not Papier Mache, but it's sort of has no. that, you know. But, but how can you sing inside there and 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 do it right?
1: There's something about it. I mean, sound-wise, you just have to trust the, the you know the professionals, the technicians, that it sounds fine. Um, but you know what, Ian? There was something about having a mask on that just made you be able to perform and sing in a, in a in a very different way than if people were looking at you, you know, looking at Jason Manford, you know, rather than a hedgehog. Um, and definitely for me, I, sung as me a lot, and occasionally when I've ended up doing some singing on telly, you, there's just some people can't help themselves, and it, and it feels like a very British thing, a very male British thing to sort of say, you know what, stay in your box, like, right? you know, stay in your lane, don't, uh, don't do things that we don't know you for. And you sort of prejudged before you've even opened your mouth. And so what was lovely about doing the Hedgehog was, uh, well, being the Hedgehog, was that that had gone. There was no, nobody had any idea who you were underneath the mask. So you could really go for it, sing and mess around and be funny and uh, sing in different accents or sing songs that I would never dream of singing Little Mix or Black Magic as myself. Um, But suddenly when you've got that mask on, you become the head job. You're not Jason. You're the head job. You know, and I know Nicola Roberts had the same thing with a queen bee. She's quite a shy girl in real life, and getting in that mask and just being able to, uh, you know, be those characters was 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 lovely. So it was. I think what it taught me, and hopefully what it teaches the people, is staying this stay in your lane mentality that some people have is absolute nonsense. You do what you think you can be good at, uh, and even if you can't be good at it, if you think it's just fun to do. Just do it. Do not stay in your lane, unless, ironically, you are a hedgehog, and then please stay in your <laughs> lane. <please.
0: laughs> now, now, Obviously, you've you also done serious acting. You know, you you you, you that is a very very different skill set, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah, and you've got to repress a bit of your natural sort of uh, Joker side. You know, when you you know when I um when we did Ordinary Lies. Um, a few years ago, there was, you know, there was more than enough times where the, the director would say, "Right, we're going to do another take. Right, we've done it your way, Jase. Let's uh, <laughs> let's do it this way instead." <laughs> and it was a real learning curve. But, but again, I think there's something about comedians that when a when when a regular actor is serious, they're just a regular actor being serious. I always think there's something when a comedian is serious. To sort of make you just not necessarily—I'm not talking about myself here—but just in general, when I've seen um, whether it's Billy Connolly and, and Mrs. Brown, or um, I've seen uh, you know even David uh, David Jones there when we did um, I Am Daniel Clark a few years ago—is um, it that, is that what it was called? I Am Daniel Clark? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that um, well, there's something about people who you're used to seeing laughing and joking. Being quite serious and earnest, that makes me sort of go, hang on, what's, what's what? going on here? So there's something quite interesting about it, I think, quite fun for
0: an audience. I think I'm trying to think of the name, I wish I could think of his name now, but there was a comedian who used to do a lot of slapstick in the old days, who was hilarious. And then right towards the end of his career, he did a couple of really serious roles um, where he, you know, the pathos was so good. That's what mm. you're talking about, really, isn't it? His name will come to me yeah. in a minute, but I just can't think of his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you, you also do radio, uh, theatre of the mind, as I always say. That's yeah, yet so another skill set, isn't it? Because you you, you, you having to, I mean, certainly as a football commentator, when I did that, I'm trying to portray to the listener something that they can't see. It's not quite mm. like that when we're having a conversation like this, but it's still a different skill than looking people in the eyes, isn't it? Yeah, I think so.
1: There's something very personal about um about radio, uh, you know, it's more so than television and, and anything else, really, because you are, you know, you're, you're almost sat in the passenger seat of their car on the way to work, or you, you know, on the way to drop the kids off at football, or you're sat in their, at their kitchen table while they're making a cup of tea. So there's something very personal about it that I really love, and I've done radio uh, for a long time in, in various for various different companies, but I, I love my Sunday show because. It really feels like a, a community of people who have chosen to listen. And what's really rare is, and you might know this from responses you get sometimes on the radio, but, and I've had it previous, but I never ever, such would, and I hope I'm not, I'm not uh, jinxing this, but I never ever get a negative comment. Nobody texts me anything negative. Nobody tweets me anything negative. I think we've had maybe five in three years. And that is so rare. When I used to do a breakfast show on XFM Manchester, we used to get five an hour. So to do a show where people go, you know what, this is what it is. not trying to pretend to be anything it's not. It's just a, uh, a couple of funny people having a laugh on a Sunday morning and playing some good songs. And that, that's all I've ever promised. And, and I think if you can give the audience, you know, their expectation, which is a fun couple of hours, um, on the radio then then that's your job that's
0: what you that's job absolutely Norman Wisdom by the way it's come to me down Norman Wisdom ah. was the uh, comedian I was thinking of because he did some real good stuff towards the end of his, his working life didn't he that was very very serious actually that's right yeah and there'll be more from Jason Manford right after this I'm Ian Cheeseman. This is Tameside Radio. Thanks very much for your company. Uh, Hoping that you're enjoying my chat with Jason Manford, which I actually recorded a couple of weeks ago. So good of him to give up so much of his time to talk to us here on Tameside Radio. So here's the final uh, little chunk uh, where we talk a little bit more about what he's doing now, what the future holds for Jason Manford, but all sorts of things. What do you look back on in your career? I mean, you've still got a lot to go, I know, but do do you look at anything from a, a point of view of, that didn't work, or that was a low point to me. Uh, and I'll ask you about your high point as well. I don't want to be negative, yeah. but was there a low point? Has there been a low point for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, like naturally over 20 years, you know, there's definitely times where you think, oh, that's not something I should have done, or that's a mistake I made. Um, you know, and, and, and it's very hard when you're mixing your... And I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that I learned early on in my children's life that work isn't everything. Um, because for a long time, I had it in my head that as long as I was working, I was earning, I was able to give them the start in life that I didn't get. And I sort of focused so much on that, that a lot of the time I was away from home and you know, I, I, you know it cost me my first marriage and there was times where I, I just put my career first. Career. And I'm so glad that my children are still under the age of 10 and I've realized that, you know, you, need, you should work to live, uh, you know, not live to work. And that's, that's a, a big lesson that I've, I've learned in my career, I think, you to, think, to focus on that, yeah.
0: you think what we're, we're all going through, because it is a, a, a joint thing that we're all enduring, if that's the right word at the moment, will make other people... More inward-looking into what their priorities in life are. I mean, that's a bit of a philosophical question for for a, a light-hearted conversation. But do you think people will do that?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think I think we'll learn a lot about ourselves. I think you'll learn a lot about your partner. Um, you know, if you if you both work, uh, you're basically getting uh, six months to a year's worth of a relationship in four or five weeks. Uh, you know, if you think about the amount of times you probably have lunch together is so rare um, or, or even breakfast for some people or even dinner. You've also not got anything different to talk about because you're both having roughly the same day. Um, so it's a real testing time for relationships, uh, whether it's, you know, wife, husband and wife or, or husband and husband or wife and wife or uh, or even partners and children and grandparents and all that sort of stuff. So I think we will look in on ourselves. I also think there's, for me, for example, I've definitely become much more connected to my community than I had before. You know, I'm on the WhatsApp group and I'm, I see people when we're out on the Thursday applauding the NHS and the carers. Um, you know, I'm popping to the, I see it pop up on, on the Facebook group. You know, Edith down the road needs something picking up from the chemist. Okay, well, I'm free because I'm I'm a comedian. I've not got any work, so I'll go and get it. Um, and so hopefully what it, what it will make us realise is, A, that we are part of a community, but also nature is in charge of all these things. And the biggest mistake humans have made over the years is thinking that we're in control and we're not. We're just on the ride.
0: You have also got quite a record for supporting charities. I mean, you've just given an example of a practical way in which you help, but you've always done that, haven't you? You might not want to shout about it, but you have always been involved.
1: Yeah, it's always a tough one with charities, because you don't want to sound like you're like, here's some great things I've done. But, um, I think, you know, for, for my job, and for the position, that I've managed to get to, is, um, is a privilege. It's a privilege to be in this position. And, although, it's, it's, a, it's been a lot of work over the years, and, uh, to, to, to get here um, it's still a privilege for, for people to spend money that they have earned themselves doing their job to come and pay on what you do in your job and so that's something I, I never forget and, I, and I, I'm always thankful for and so I guess because of that I then look outside of these you know, four walls of this house and think well how else can I use this position for the um, for, for, for good of the people, you know, and, and and because I guess because I think about people on an individual level, you know, I look at the audience and I look at one person laughing, hopefully it's not just one person laughing, <laughs> but I watch one person laughing in a room of, you know, 900 people laughing. I, I'm always focused on the one person, and I think, well, if every day you can do something for one person, and that might be something little like, just sending a message to say you know well done on 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 something, or someone's asked to to send send a happy birthday video to somebody, or it might be something huge like um, you know raising money for teenage cancer trust with with Stephen Sutton, or or, or doing a, a a big concert, or whatever it is that that, um, that 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 it is that we I think that's part of the job of being and for want of a better word, celebrity. That's if you want to be a celebrity, i.e., celebrated, then you have to do other things to warrant that word to be attached to your name.
0: Well, um, uh, at the risk of uh, of, I suppose sounding a bit sycophantic, I mean I couldn't I admire you more <laughs> because you you do such lovely things, and at these times when we're going through what we're going through, actually having a laugh um, with somebody who you know is genuine, I think makes a you know, big, big difference. I mean, you've are you're, you're spent a lot of time now chatting to me. You didn't need to. You're not getting paid to do it. You're doing it I Probably hope, not. because <laughs> because, yeah. because you, you believe hey. in community. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a small station that we're on, a community station that cares about this area. And you've given your time freely. And that time's more invaluable than anything, isn't it?
1: Well, time is the one thing they're not making any more of. And so you have to... Uh, you know, look at this time at the moment. Whether you're one of these key workers or frontline staff who are making the world go round and, and keeping us all safe and tidy and clean and well-fed and all those sort of things that, that people are doing, or you've suddenly found yourself with time at home with your family um, uh, and your partner, or, or, or even by yourself. Time is the one thing nobody's making any more of it. You've got to use this time productively. And there's people out there still working now, still doing big 12-hour shifts, whether it's frontline, whether it's being a dustbin man, whether it's uh, teaching the key workers children. And I think you owe it to yourself to do something productive. I'm not saying learn a language or a, you know an instrument or anything like that, but you should get to the end of this period. Whenever, and it will end. It will end, uh, which is important to keep remembering. Uh, and you should get to the end of this period, and be able to look back on it and all, almost be thankful that, that you had that time uh, alone or at least with your family and, and got to know yourself and your, your, uh, your children a bit a bit more or your partner a bit more. And that's sort of what, I, what I'm doing at the moment. And, and like I said earlier on, you know I'm very privileged to be in a position where we've got a garden, we've got space you know, I'm not worried about the bills for the next uh, six months or so. Uh, So I I understand that my position is not the same as everybody else's. Uh, But I hope that people get through this point and realise that actually, for for a lot of people, as horrendous as it is for the people who are actually affected by the illness, for a lot of people, this inconvenience could be a positive.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Um, I've got to ask you one final question, which is, um, I saw the other day that you were um, doing a pilot for for, some, for a new program at home <laughs> with cameras and. Yeah. <laughs> what what's next for you, Jason?
1: Well, I don't know. It is the honest answer. Um, the diary uh, is empty <laughs> for the time being, and so I'm just you know I've got an outlet, thankfully, with social media where I'm still able to chat to people and. Um, put silly things out there and hopefully, uh, you know, keep people's morale up a little bit. We do a little quiz, you know, from time to time or I bang out these just that, you know, that jokes from time to time or or the odd song on my Facebook group. Um, So for me, at the moment, it's that and it's the kids and it's, you know, homeschooling and keeping everything going uh, here here at home. um, Work-wise, I've got the tour later on in the year, which I've now found myself with a lot of time uh, to be able to actually write. Uh, so the tour starts, fingers crossed, in September, October, and goes all the way through uh, till till next year. Um, and other than that, I don't know. Television has sort of changed a little bit now, so we're waiting on confirmation on whether First and Last will come back, whether all those staff are still around to be able to to make that show. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a worrying time in that respect. But hopefully, what will happen. Is that we'll all, at some point, get back to normal. Life will get back to normal, and what we'll all have is a, a new appreciation for that.
0: Whatever it is, uh, thanks very much for 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 what you're doing. I'm going to ask you the impossible question now. Have you got a gag you can finish with? It can be as daft as you want, <laughs> just to give everybody a <laughs> laugh. <laughs> um, I'm trying
1: to think what my favourite jokes are here at the house. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, my mum was surprised when I told her that I was going to make a car out of spaghetti. But well, you should see the face when I drove faster.
0: <laughs> I love it. And if I go away now that and tell that to somebody else, they just won't laugh, but but you've got it. Jason, <laughs> well, love, love to speak to you. It's been great for you to, to do what you've done today. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, mate. Good luck in the future so and would, keep mate. safe. All
1: right. Keep up the good work In Take care.
0: That's uh, Jason Manford speaking to us on Tameside Radio. Thanks very much for your company. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I'll see you again next time.